0: Welcome to the Refine Your Health podcast with Dr. Dion. I'm a primary care physician, and now I can happily add podcaster. Tune in to each episode to hear great information on improving health outcomes, disease prevention, and overall community health advocacy. Thanks for listening. Now let's jump into today's episode to improve your health. Hello listeners, it is your host, Dr. Dion. Thanks for checking out this episode of Refine Your Health. First, I'd like to start off by thanking all of my listeners out there who have subscribed and been downloading the episodes from the podcast, as well as those who have left five-star reviews on your streaming platform of choice. So for those who haven't, already done so and you're new to the podcast or chronic listeners of the podcast, please leave a five-star review if you found this content to be helpful so I can continue to provide great content for you guys to have available at your fingertips. So let's now jump right into our episode for today and it is focused on colon cancer. And the reason that we're focusing on colon cancer is Because we're in the month of March and it is considered Colon Cancer Awareness Month. And the reason colon cancer is a big focus and has a month dedicated to it is that colon cancer is the third most common cancer in men and women, especially if you exclude some of the most common type of skin cancers. However, it is the second leading cancer that causes death in the United States. A statistic that I got from my research for this episode when I looked at the CDC website, which is the Center for Disease Control, states that every year about 140,000 people in the United States get diagnosed with colorectal cancer and more than 50,000 people die from it. And the sad thing about that is that it is preventable in most cases. And that's why I wanted to focus on this topic for this particular episode. So I don't know how many movie buffs I have listening to this podcast, but I love watching movies. And within the past year, we had someone pass away from colon cancer. And for those of you who are not big movie buffs, that person was Chadwick Boseman. He's portrayed so many iconic figures in his movies from Jackie Robinson James Brown, Thurgood Marshall, and the most notable is Black Panther, a superhero. And so to have him taken away within the past year was a shock to many of us in the United States. And no one knew that he had colon cancer until after his death. Another celebrity that has been impacted by colon cancer is Terrence Howard. Many of you may know him from the movie, Best Man, Best Man Holiday, as well as most recent, the TV series Empire. He basically had a personal story that his mother passed away from colon cancer at the age of 56. And now he's an advocate for early screening, especially for those who are at at risk for colon cancer, especially those with a family history. Now let's just start off by talking about what is cancer. Cancer, of course, is what happens when cells in the body grow out of control, and that can occur anywhere in the body. And so in this particular case, it occurs in the colon as well as the rectum, and that's where you have the diagnosis of colorectal cancer, or better known as colon cancer. In addition to colon cancer, you may also hear of a term called polyps, And polyps are considered abnormal growths, which may occur in the colon or rectum, which may turn into cancer. And the most important thing to remember about polyps is that they can be present for years before they develop into a potential invasive type of cancer, especially if they go undetected. Now, for those of you who don't know what the colon is, it is the large intestine and the rectum basically connects the colon to the anus. So to give you a better idea about your body's anatomy, so let's just imagine, You know, you take in food or some type of beverage and you consume this on a daily basis. And so when you take this into your stomach, as your body digests it, whatever is not used by your body as energy or some type of nutrient, your body will get rid of it as waste. And the path that it will typically travel once it leaves your stomach, as it passes from your stomach, it goes into your small intestine. And all the way into your large intestine, which is better known as the colon, into your rectum. So what your body doesn't use, it moves it along through from your stomach to your small intestine, to the large intestine, which is your colon, to your rectum, out through your anus as a bowel movement or stool. So that was a quick yet simple way to explain the digestive process. Now that we've gotten the fun part out of the way, talking about your stools. However, I know some of you probably tune into this episode like I did not want to hear about my bowel movements or stools. But it's very important, especially when it comes to talking about signs and symptoms. So don't get disgusted yet. Still hang in there. But we'll definitely have to come back and revisit that topic, especially later in this episode. So now let's jump into Who is at risk for developing colon cancer? So there are many factors that play a role. And one of them is just something that we don't have any control over. Of course, it's getting older. And it's found that 90% of the cases of colorectal cancer occur in individuals 50 years or older. So aging plays a major role. Another risk factor is having an inflammatory bowel disease such as Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis. Another risk is personal or family history of colorectal cancer or colorectal polyps. An additional risk factor that we pretty much don't have any control over is having a genetic syndrome such as Lynch syndrome or familial adenomatous polyposis, better known as FAP. Some of the other risk factors that we do have a role in controlling, and these are lifestyle factors that may increase our risk potentially of developing colorectal cancer. One is lack of regular exercise. Two is diet low in fruit and vegetables. Three, a diet low in fiber and high fat diet or a diet high in processed meats. Being overweight and obese is another risk factor. Increased alcohol consumption as well as tobacco use. So our risk as a population is subdivided into two categories, basically risk factors that we can control versus those that we can't control. Okay. So now that we've talked about the risk factors, let's transition to what are some of the signs and symptoms. And one is a person may notice a change in their bowel habits, such as diarrhea, constipation, or narrowing of their stool where they're like a smaller size, and it could last for more than a few days. Another symptom that a person can have A feeling that you need to have a bowel movement that does not relieve with having one. Rectal bleeding with bright red blood. Dark brown or black stools. Stomach pain, aches or cramps that don't go away. Losing weight and you're not sure why. Also some type of weakness and fatigue. So like I mentioned previously at the beginning of the episode, Of course, a lot of people don't like talking about their stools, but as you can see, a lot of the symptoms that you need to be looking out for as far as potential concerns that you need to have addressed with your primary care doctor is related to your stools. And you'd be surprised how many people actually do not look at their stools when they have bowel movements. So it's very important to make sure that you get comfortable with those things. I know it's not glamorous, but it's very important because that's something that's a part of your health as well. Now, from my standpoint as a physician, when a patient presents with those symptoms, of course, I'm not going to go into too much detail about it, but when a patient presents to the office with some of these symptoms, it just involves a detailed workup as far as getting your medical history, as well as family history, considering what is going on with your symptoms, as well as any physical exam findings and laboratory workup. In addition, imaging may be considered as warranted. However, I always like to make sure that listeners are aware that if you do have those symptoms, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have colon cancer. It's something that needs to be looked into with your medical provider. It's not just related to colorectal cancer. Some of those signs and symptoms can be related from anything from infection to hemorrhoids to some type of inflammatory bowel disease that I mentioned earlier in the episode. But I would say The most important thing to remember if you do have any exhibit any of these symptoms that you should seek medical attention. However, I do recommend if you are having just bright red blood just pouring from your anus or severe abdominal pain that is just bringing you to your knees. That's something that doesn't need to wait to go to the office. If you're in that much pain and you have just bright red blood pouring from your anus, that's emergency room because you want to make sure that you get that checked out right away. However, if it's something that's subtle and something that's just not going away, that's when you definitely need to touch base with your medical doctor to have an examination to see if it would warrant screening for colon cancer, as well as some of the other potential diagnoses that may present with similar signs and symptoms. Okay, now that we've talked about what colon cancer is, the risk factors and some of the signs and symptoms, let's just transition to how do we prevent this? That's the most important part of this episode to me is how can we prevent this? Now, we have kind of talked about how some of the lifestyle choices play a role, such as, you know, your diet and exercise. However, research is still underway in regards to evaluate if those modifications truly have an impact in preventing colon cancer. And an interesting finding that I came across from my research was that the United States Preventive Services Task Force found that taking a low dose aspirin can prevent cardiovascular disease and colorectal cancer in adults age 50 to 59 who have a 10% or greater 10 year risk of cardiovascular disease risk and who are not at increased risk of bleeding and have a life expectancy of at least 10 years and are willing to take a low dose aspirin for at least 10 years. Now, I knew that there was some benefit with aspirin regards to coronary artery disease. And if you wanna get more detail about that, I just did a recent episode on that particular topic and the benefits and risk of using aspirin. However, it was interesting that I came across this benefit with Colorectal cancer. So, I would encourage individuals to discuss if you're a candidate to start aspirin with your medical provider, especially if you fall in this age group. I wouldn't recommend just starting that on your own without the consultation of a physician. But by far, the most important way to decrease or potentially prevent the development of colorectal cancer is screening. And the most important part for you to know is when you should be screened and what type of options are out there for you. In regards to screening, the United States Preventive Services Task Force recommend people starting at the age of 50 should begin routine screening for colon cancer up to age 75 years of age. Now, for those that should be potentially screened earlier, that is determined based on major risk factors that we discussed earlier, such as if you have that inflammatory bowel disease risk, if you have a personal or family history of colorectal cancer or colorectal polyps. In addition, people who have that genetic syndrome history that I mentioned earlier, such as the Lynch syndrome or the familial adenomatous polyposis are better known as FAP. Those cases should definitely be discussed with your primary care provider if you have a history, personal or family history of colon cancer or polyp history risk, as well as if you have any of those inflammatory bowel or genetic diagnoses to determine if you need to be screened sooner. Now, the United States Preventive Services Task Force recommends that screening be discontinued after age of 75. However, continued screening is individualized beyond this age based on medical history, as well as potential risk factors, abnormal screenings in the past, as well as benefit versus risk of treatment beyond the age of 75 years of age plus life expectancy. But the American Cancer Society definitely recommended based on their website that people should not be screened after the age of 85. Another interesting fact that came out Latter part of 2020 is that they were going to adjust the screening guidelines. And this has been adjusted based on the American Cancer Society website, and that they've decreased the screening from the age starting at 50 to age 45. This has not been implemented yet across the board, as I mentioned, especially with the United States Preventative Services Task Force, but many in the medical community anticipate that this is the case, that it will change eventually to decrease down to that 45 years of age to begin screening as the American Cancer Society has noted on their website because experts believe by lowering the screening age to age 45 that many more lives can be saved. As I mentioned earlier in the episode, Chadwick Bozeman passed away from colon cancer and he was only 43 years of age now he was a very private individual so I don't know if there was some type of family history of colon cancer or some personal medical history risk factors or if he had some genetic risk factors things of that nature but by lowering the age to initiate screening we hope to decrease the number of lives lost from this preventable disease of colon cancer. So now what are the options for screening for colon cancer? There are three major uh, tests that are used to look at your stool or bowel movement. And some of you may have already undergone screening. And those of you who have not, this is something that is familiar to a lot of people. But there are three stool tests that are available that you can assess for risk of colon cancer. One is called the stool test slash guac fecal occult blood test which is basically where you you send a patient home with a kit and they take samples from three different bowel movements and they smear it on this car and they send it back to the medical office where it's tested to see if there's any blood in there and this is something that's repeated once a year, especially if it's normal. Another stool test that is similar to the guaiac fecal occult blood test is the fecal immunochemical test, better known as FIT or FIT. And it's done the same way as the previous guaiac fecal occult blood test. And you sent home with a kit, and you do the smear and you send it back into the lab where it's tested. Now, another additional test is the FIT DNA test, and that's where you collect an entire bowel movement, and that's checked for cancer cells, and that is basically sent into the lab once you're able to provide a sample. And most of you may be familiar with this type of test, and that's called coligar. You've probably seen commercials for it, and that is the third type of stool test. Now, these tests typically are not recommended if you have inflammatory bowel disease, personal or family history of cancer or polyps and adenomas. So based on the three stool tests discussed, the FIT DNA test is the only test, especially if it is normal, that you can repeat every five years. However, the other two you need to repeat once a year if they are negative or normal. I always like to remind patients, especially when it comes to the stool screening test, if you have not use those uh, particular kits or been screened with the stool studies before in the past and you're not familiar with how to provide a sample, please don't feel embarrassed by asking your physician or the lab that sent you the kit about how you are supposed to collect the sample to make sure that we get the appropriate amount of sample needed to provide for accurate screening. Now, the other screening tools used for colorectal screening, they allow for visual or structural examination of the colon and rectum. And these screening tools are often performed by a gastroenterologist and with the assistance of an imaging center for one of the screening studies. And one of the screening procedures is called flexible sigmoidoscopy, which is done every five years if it's normal or every 10 years, especially if you add a, stool study with that particular procedure. Another screening test that is familiar to most people is called a colonoscopy. Now, this test is done every 10 years, especially if it's negative. And lastly, there's a new test that's on the block called the virtual colonoscopy and that basically is a test where there's x-rays and computer is used to produce images on a computer screen for a physician to analyze and that's done every five years of the entire colon only if your test is negative or shall I say normal also, I just want to make sure whether you have to undergo the flexible sigmoidoscopy or the colonoscopy or virtual colonoscopy is that you will have to undergo a bowel prep process typically two to three days prior to The actual procedure. And that includes making adjustments in your diet, transitioning to clear liquids, as well as consuming a particular prescription liquid to help clean out your bowels and prep for the procedure by the specialist so that they'll be able to get good views of the colon without stool being in the colon and rectum to prevent them from missing a particular mass or some abnormality in your colon or rectum so it's very important when you are a candidate for such procedures that you do complete the bowel prep so you will not have to go through that procedure again i've heard of people having to go back because they did not do the bowel prep appropriately and they weren't completely cleaned out because they could not get good views of the colon and rectum with the scope you definitely don't want to have to go through that bowel prep process more than once within a short period of time, just because you weren't compliant with the initial bowel prep for the procedure. Now that we've talked about the two major categories of screening for colon cancer, let's talk about if they're abnormalities or if a test comes back positive or a concern for something. So in regards to the stool studies, if they come back positive with screening, then most likely, it'll be recommended that you see a specialist to undergo one of the other procedures that we talked about to actually get a visualization of the colon with the colonoscopy or the virtual colonoscopy. Now, in regards to the actual procedures that individuals may undergo for screening, such as the colonoscopy or the flexible sigmoid or the virtual colonoscopy let's say if you had the flexible sigmoidoscopy and something came back abnormal they may actually recommend that you do the complete colonoscopy if something came back concerning now if you had an abnormal colonoscopy such as they may find a mass or uh, something like a polyp they will actually try to biopsy that send it off to determine if there are cancer cells are precancerous cells. If not, then just depending on what type of pathology or abnormality came back when they sent it to the lab may determine how frequent you will need a colonoscopy procedure, whether it's one year, three years, five years, or every 10 years. So it's just dependent on what the pathology or the diagnosis that came back from sending a tissue sample off to the lab. Now, if it's cancer, then you'll be referred to a specialist for further management of that diagnosis. Otherwise, if it's some abnormalities such as a polyp, they will make determination of how frequent you will need to come back. And most of the times when they do see polyps, they go ahead and remove those. Just depends on how many, of course. Each case is individualized when you undergo those actual invasive procedures like the colonoscopy or the flexible sigmoidoscopy. I often get questions about what determines If you're a candidate for the stool study versus the more invasive procedures such as like the colonoscopy and other similar procedures, it just depends on your personal history as well as if you're low risk for cancer versus a more higher risk if you are positive for any of the risk factors that we discussed during this episode. Also other factors that may be in place determining whether you're If you're able to undergo certain invasive procedure, so that may determine you initially starting off with a stool study or the virtual colonoscopy instead of going straight to a more invasive procedure such as the colonoscopy or similar procedure. Another question I often get as a physician in regards to colorectal cancer screening is How much does it cost and does my insurance cover it? I will have to say that most insurance plans, including private insurance, as well as Medicare, do cover colorectal screening starting at the age of 50. However, I will encourage you, especially all of you who are checking out this episode, to check with your insurance programs to see what is covered in regards to benefits for colorectal cancer screening. Now, why do we spend so much time on discussing the screening and the prevention because when I did research on this topic and seeing that colon cancer is such a preventable disease is that in 2018 based on the CDC website is that many adults have not been screened as recommended and groups who are less likely to be screened include men, Hispanics, American Indians, Alaskan Natives, people aged 50 to 64 years old, and those who do not live in cities, and those with lower education and income levels. And the main reason that I mention those is because if you have lower screening rates, then you're going to have higher individuals that are at risk for developing colon cancer and possibly passing away from this disease, which is so preventable in most cases. And another number that was alarming was that individuals based on the age group, 50 to 75 years of age, From that 2018 statistic that was provided from the CDC website is that 21.7 million people within that age group have never been screened by anyone for colon cancer. And as I mentioned earlier, 90% of the individuals who are diagnosed with colon cancer are greater than the age of 50. Also, 81% of adults who have not been screened are people age 50 to 64 years of age. That is an astounding number. So the reason that I want to talk about this is that it's preventable in most cases and we can improve these statistics. So... I hope by you getting the information that you all will be able to possibly use the information for yourself or pass it on to family or friends. Now that we talked about the most important part for this episode is the screening because it's such a preventable condition as mentioned in most cases, but let's say individuals are unfortunately diagnosed with colon cancer. I don't want individuals to think that it's an automatic death sentence. There is such new research out there in the management of colorectal cancer and science has come a long way over the many years. And if you have the unfortunate diagnosis of colon cancer, I want to ensure that you guys stay hopeful in that. There are specialists out there, such as the gastroenterologist, which is the, the stomach specialist, the oncologist, which is the cancer specialist, and the surgeons that are out there that manage such diagnoses. And there are different treatments that are available for individuals who are diagnosed with colon cancer is a little bit too extensive to get into for this episode however there are ways to manage colorectal cancer like I said there's and a lot of it depends on the staging so I mentioned this in some of my previous episodes when I've talked about breast cancer as well as prostate cancer cancer is treated on how it is staged so if it's stage zero or in that lower level or in a high level let's say stage four the difference between a lower stage means that it's more localized let's say to where it originated such as the colon or the rectum however if it's in a higher stage that means it's spread outside of those areas to other parts of the body and let's say for example i mentioned earlier Chadwick Bozeman. he was diagnosed with colon cancer and I think he was diagnosed with stage three however before he passed away his cancer had advanced to stage four and so there are different managements based on the stage and the managements that are available are Number one, surgery, that's basically removing the mass, especially if it's something more localized to a particular area. However, if it's spread or metastasized, like to the lungs, the liver, or, you know, outside of the colon, except for the rectum, then there's other methods such as chemotherapy, radiation therapy, things of that nature. However, specialists usually individualize management based on your stage and type of cancer diagnosis. I want everyone to remember that the most important thing to do is to prevent individuals from developing colon cancer by proper screening, as well as making sure that if you exhibit signs and symptoms, that you take time out to discuss that with your medical doctor as well as making sure that you are having your routine annual screenings as far as physicals. And most of the time, these type of tests, especially if you fall within the screening age or you have some particular risk factors that that needs to be discussed by your medical doctor at that visit or you know feel free to bring it up seeing that you've had the opportunity to listen to this particular episode, as well as for those individuals out there that have been diagnosed with colon cancer I want you to know that there is management available out there and to remain positive during this journey. And also remember that there are support groups that exist for patients who have been diagnosed with colon cancer, as well as support groups for loved ones to be able to support their family member or friend throughout their journey. So I will encourage those that have been diagnosed with colon cancer to Talk to your physician about those particular support groups if that hasn't already been discussed. And also the American Cancer Society has resources for patients that have been diagnosed with colon cancer as well as for caregivers and family and friends. So I also will make sure that I will put the link in the show notes for the American Cancer Society to learn more about support groups as well as additional information about colorectal cancer. I can't believe we've already arrived to the end of this episode. Before I wrap up, I just want to make sure that if this information has been helpful, please leave a five-star review on your streaming platform of choice, as well as make sure that you subscribe and tell family and friends about the podcast so I can continue to provide you with amazing content. Until next time, this is your host, Dr. Dion. Take care. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Please subscribe and feel free to tell your family and friends to check out the podcast. And remember, this podcast is for educational purposes only, and the thoughts and opinions do not constitute medical advice.